0: Hello, welcome. It's uh, episode 128 of the Life in Red podcast. And I just want to take a quick thank you to everybody who won, donated to my Movember campaign uh, for men's mental health. We were able to raise uh, $600, which is really great. And then thank you to everyone who uh, attended my mental health talk. Uh, as I record this, it was yesterday. Um, some really great feedback uh, about helping people and how it resonated. So um, if you attended, thank you so much from the bottom of my Part. My guest is uh, no stranger to being on the episode, uh, having talked with her in April. Um, and this conversation uh, is a long one, and we go into a lot of different tangents just because we get along so well and have fun. But the, the primary reason um, she came on is to talk about some of the struggles our healthcare workers are going through right now. Um, it's no question, throughout the pandemic, it has been extremely difficult for Health coworkers—that includes doctors, nurses, uh, P- PSWs, uh, and everyone who works in in that system—from just burnout and just constantly being being around this this virus—that uh, that weighs on you. That that's really scary. And even though we've had vaccines, and uh, we're amping up, we have the new variant, Omicron, to worry about. Um, what's that going to look like? And so we talk about that. We talk about the last couple of months since we last chatted uh, over the summer. We talk about the anxiety around this new variant and what could be expected moving forward. But we also talk about some really difficult issues they're facing, including the vaccine anti-vaxxer protests they faced outside of hospitals here in Canada. We talk about the burnout, the mental health issues, a lot of healthcare. care uh, staff are facing and ma- uh, making them choose to leave the profession which is truly truly scary um and puts even more weight on the people who stick in the system not that I blame people for leaving um but you know our healthcare system could be on the verge of collapse uh, and we also talk about bill 124 which is a huge issue if you have any nurse or healthcare friends or teachers uh about the pay or the the cap on pay and raises um, you know it's just it's been very difficult for them so I wanted to help bring those issues forward she has a podcast you can check out it's called Beyond the Bedpan you can also check out her mom blog uh, more than a mom please welcome back my guest Christy Cowan.
1: you take the red pill you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to Life in
0: being a nurse in a pandemic wasn't enough. Being a nurse and a mom in a pandemic wasn't enough, but now being a nurse, a mom, and a podcast host. Uh, because apparently you needed more to do. Is that right, Christy?
1: <laughs> yeah, just one extra thing. I mean, I kind of look at it as therapy and socializing. So I don't look at it as a job. It's um I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, I mean, I could be sitting on the couch watching the Kardashians at night, but instead I do this. So some would say this is progress.
0: Yeah. Actually, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, when people ask how I kind of manage it, I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I'm chatting with, it's like, I'm going out for a drink. I mean, you have wine, I have water, so I'm not as cool, <laughs> but as if we're just like shooting the shit over, like a, a, over a drink, just bitching about life. <laughs>
1: your podcast is what got me interested in the conversational aspect of discussing stuff. I love that when I did your podcast back in April or something. <sighs> it
0: was April. Holy yeah. Man.
1: And I love that it was so comfortable and it, that's exactly what it was. It was just chatting with a friend and it's become social for me. You know, I've, I've met people. I interviewed uh, Stuntman Stu from, mm-hmm. from morning radio a couple of weeks ago and um, I've never met him before and we chatted for ages, you know, and that's the best part of it is I look at it as social too.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, beyond the bedpan. And I'm, you know, just play a small role in this new endeavor of yours. Uh, you know, that means a lot. So um, we had a lot of fun and talked about a lot of stuff and that was back in April when we were, I think we were still in lockdown. Uh, we were in the third,
1: Uh,
0: we're like okay like what's gonna happen summer was good and now here we are where we're at omicron and kids getting vaccinated but is it enough um
1: oh my god where where do you want to begin where
0: do we start (laughs) about the the shit show but i mean i mean how has the last little bit been since we last chatted because there's been a lot of ups and downs, right? We kids finally were able to get vaccinated. They're back to school. We're all like, "Yes, we're." We, I think we're finally there. Now we got this new variant to worry about, and we're still very unsure of what's happening. So, I mean, how has the last couple of months been? Besides this whole podcast endeavor you started.
1: Um. I mean, if I was to summarize it in one word, it would be terrible. Oh. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean. Like my palms are sweaty and my heart's beating just thinking of all those things you just said, like so much of it is a blur, to be honest. Um, it's been very much survival mode for me um, and probably for a lot of people. But, you know, for me in particular tonight, um, I, I, you know, I went back to the ICU in April and then I stayed there until the end of June. I needed some stability in my schedule. So I had asked to stay Um, My kids were doing virtual school. I needed to set up childcare, and it was uh, a lot easier to work shift work and have those five days off at the time. So my manager and the ICU manager were okay with that. They let me stay, which was great. Um, And then my last shift in the ICU was June 30th. I had the July 1st stat and then I went right back to work July 2nd in my real job, in like my normal job. Mm -hmm. So I had zero break um, the summer was good. I can't complain about the summer. And then the first day of school, uh, we won this hot 89, nine contest where mm, the, the kids, summer, yeah. yeah, the kids got to drive to school in a limo. It was so fun. It was my daughter's sixth birthday. She was so excited. And uh, I took a vacation day. My husband had the day off. Uh, we always take the first day of school off and we drop off the kids and then we spend the day together, just have a date day. Mm-hmm. And we, it's like 9: thirty, maybe, ten o'clock, this huge hype up to going to school for the first time. And um, we get a call from my toddler's daycare that there's been a positive case. And we had to pick them all up <laughs> by 10 in the morning on the first day of school drive to Brewer get the toddler tested I stayed in the car with the older two and then as they're walking out from the testing center we got a phone call saying he actually wasn't the close contact you don't need to get tested but daycare is closed for the week so we didn't need to get tested we didn't need to pick up the older kids but we we did because we were told we did and then we had to figure out child care for the week for my toddler. And that has just been my life for the last September, October, November, for the last four months, is someone is sick, Someone we, they all have to be picked up, COVID tests, wait for results, figure out child care, go back to work, and repeat. So it's um, been very difficult. And I'm actually, uh, I, I ended up going off on a stress leave. Uh, two
0: weeks ago. So I'm not actually working right now. Wow. That just seems so turbulent. I mean, it's turbulent for everybody, but for parents, especially for, for healthcare, like it's just a constant ebbs and flows of like, like elation, then disappointment, then like heartbreak. Like it's just all these emotions that you have to like manage. And it's not even like weekly, it's like daily. It's Minute by minute, you're getting phone calls, and same with my parents. Like, you know, and now we're entering winter. There's freaking colds and flus and all these other things like going around. But it's not COVID, but everyone's sick, and you have to like. It's just, I mean, like, I I laugh because like I sit here and I'm like, man, this is a lot to manage for me. And then I talk to like other people. I'm like, oh, I'm like, holy shit, okay, I got it. I guess I'm 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 off the the hook a little bit here. But it just it. It must be so tough to just manage mentally well, for yourself.
1: I disagree with you. I, I, yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult for us. And like, I, I could talk about it all day and I could go <laughs> into all the details and maybe I will, you know, but I, I don't think anybody under any circumstance should undermine how they're feeling about it. Yes, you know, true. I, I'm, yes, I'm a parent and both of us work outside the home. So that's where our challenge is are is that we're expected to be at work and no matter what. And, you know, if you're, if you're working from home, maybe you have a little bit more flexibility. If you're, you know, you don't have kids, if, uh, whatever, if you're a student or there, but all of the stress is real. And I, I don't like that, that people compare it to me because people do that a lot. And they say, oh my God, like I hear your stories. Cause I, I share it. I like mm-hmm. to share how real things can be. And people will say, I I can't believe I complained about this. No, you absolutely are valid in complaining and you know, sharing your frustrations and your stresses. They're all valid. And yes, mine are tough, but but so are yours. And they should never be compared to other people's.
0: True. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. How since the last time we chatted, uh, the ICUs were pretty full. I mean, how has hospital life because I think Over the summer, as vaccinations really started to accelerate um, and, you know, until a little bit more recently, as we started to see an uptick in cases, uh, a lot of people, I don't want to say thought the pandemic was over, but really thought we were like, we were past it. Like we were on the road to being clear. How has the hospital been, I mean, until this point, I know in the next couple of weeks and months, it's probably going to be a different story, but until then, like, has it been a little bit more, I guess, business as usual, or like, are you still seeing a significant amount of COVID patients and and things to deal with, uh, with the pandemic or even just catching up? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of that too.
1: Yeah, there's, there's things that have improved and then things that have gotten a lot worse. So, and this is probably the stuff that people don't talk about. Like you look at the COVID numbers and they, they are good. Um, you know, that was always the point was, to protect the healthcare system and make sure it doesn't get overloaded. And we've done that. Um, You know, we had a a bad third wave, but since then it's been okay. And yes, there's been COVID cases. Um, Yes, they've been young. Yes, they're mostly unvaccinated for those wondering. Um, And and every life is important, you know, when they come in vaccinated or not. So maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't wanna make that an issue, but um, you know, that is what we're seeing. But what I'm seeing more of and probably more concerning is when it comes to patients, there's been a lot of people coming in with what's called long COVID. Mm. So they've had COVID and they are just riddled with problems. And it's so sad because the people who have all the problems now are the people who got COVID in the third wave or before vaccinations were available to them and it's heartbreaking because there was just nothing that they could have done to avoid it. You know, these are people who were like I was isolating and you know my my toilet broke and I needed a plumber to come in and then suddenly I got covid. You know, like really really sad stuff and they haven't been able to go back to work. That's hard to deal with. Um just cuz I feel so I really feel for them. And their recovery is long, really really long. And some of these long covid patients were not necessarily hospitalized either. They had mild cases of it and they just have a lot of respiratory issues. The other problem is staffing, which is no secret, you know, it's in the media everywhere. Um, we're, we're critically short-staffed. So people have quit, people have um, quit nursing altogether or they've left the hospital to go do something else. And we're just so short-staffed and the patient load hasn't decreased because of it. Mm. So then what happens is, you know, overtime, not necessarily mandatory overtime, but you are kind of staying extra hours or giving longer reports that keep you there longer. And nurses are burning out, such case in point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, the other part is when things go back to normal a little bit, our lives don't as nurses, because we're still at work every day, we're still expected to be at work every day, certain flexibilities that they had in regards to like COVID time off paid sick leave to to do with COVID tests are, are no longer a thing. So there's some unpaid days there. And if you're a parent, um, it's just constant days taken off. And the amount of stress is it became unbearable for me. And, I just, I never thought I'd be that person. You know, I I always thought I can handle anything. I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm a fighter. Um, You know, I'm not going to become depressed. I'm not going to not want to get out of bed every day and then only think about when I can go back to bed that next night. Um, I'm not going to let this phase me. Like, I'm going to be fine. And I'm not. And if that's happening to me, it's happening to a lot of people. They're just not talking
0: about it hmm. Lots. Uh, there's things there I don't want to skip over, but obviously staffing is a, a big thing you're passionate about and something we should discuss. But, you know, I I, I do want to get back to the long term, uh, long COVID and especially the anti-vaxxers and talking about what it was like having them protest the hospitals mm. uh, a while ago. But when we talk about staffing, you know, I was talking to a friend who's um, a nurse and, and struggling and, you know, I was like, a thing I say to everybody, but especially healthcare workers, right? Because you feel like you have that onus to help people. Um, And I was like, why don't you take time off? Why don't you like, and they didn't want to like not be there for their team because it's already so hard as it is. And I totally get that mindset, but you know, I, I, and I always say to people, it's like, well, if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of other people as well. Yeah. There are multi faceted issues here on why people are quitting obviously we when we talked in april with yourself and alicia um you both were open about your struggles with mental health and depression and anxiety and and all those things but there's also other issues as well that's really um affecting it um i know there if do i get this right bill c124 yeah 124 what is that? Because that's been I've seen numerous amounts of health care workers and nurses who have been advocating around that. And I don't want to say protesting, but they've been chatting about it and really vocal about what that means. So what is it and why is that such a, a, a an issue for nurses that they're raising?
1: So Bill 124 is a bill that the government of Ontario put out that caps. The salary, not just of healthcare workers, there's a lot of other people that are included in this bill. Um, Off the top of my head, I think something in the world of education um, and the Children's Aid Society are included in this bill too. So healthcare workers, um, CPS, and education. So these are three people who have been really, really affected by the pandemic, right? Um, it's been no secret that the amount of stresses at home have increased to child abuse and like CHEOs come out with all these studies, especially with head injuries in the emergency department, um, education, no brainer. Like there was class canceled for how long and everyone had to adapt, um, and then healthcare workers. So not just nurses, people who fall under the healthcare tree. And that caps our, st- our salary. So what that does is it stops our union for being able to uh, give us a raise and, and argue and fight for a raise. And it caps us at 0.9 something for three years. So if you look at just normal inflation, not considering how high everything is since the pandemic, we're not anywhere close to inflation. And like my retired dad got to a 2% raise this year. <laughs> like he's not even working. And he even said, he was like, I feel really guilty getting this raise. I'm like, no, you deserve it. You work all those years. Um, but, but we deserve it too, you know? And how could you put a cap on morally, you know, like how could you do that to pe- to people who have been through? what we've been through this year, you know, there was the heroes, and whatever your pots and pans and all that stuff, you know, thank you. But, uh, you know, that that doesn't pay the bills. So the other the reason it's an issue is, you know, my, my husband, he's, he's so good. He always tries to play devil's advocate. And he said, you know, a lot of jobs have wage freezes for certain amounts of time. And I was like, Okay, but there's, there's nowhere else to go unless I go back to school and get my master's. So how do you justify a job like that, doing such intense work you know, it's, we're not, we're not adequately compensated for what we do. We're, we're literally, we sometimes quite literally have somebody's lives in our hand. We are trusted and, uh, we're, we're highly trained to save lives and to deal with intense crisis. And also be expected to cope with that mentally and take that home and deal with that at home where we have bills and families and all these things. So from year, I think it's year seven or eight in the union to year 20 or 25, there's no raise. I might <laughs> mm-hmm. So that is a ridiculous amount of time in one's life. So say... Traditionally, you come out of university and you work seven years, you're in your late twenties. And I'm saying this somewhat traditionally, this is when you're purchasing a, a, a home, you're purchasing a car, your parents are getting a little bit older and you're having to help there. Maybe you decide to have children. Then there's the daycare costs. It's a whole other podcast. Mm. <laughs> um, and then you're stopping their pay from sp- for i'm not good at math but what is that that's like 14 years or something with no pay no pay raise and then you cap it so you're putting a profession through the absolute worst mentally physically emotionally and then you you don't allow our union to bargain for a raise like we're not asking for much we just want something (laughs) and and that's that's our rage against bill 124 in a nutshell
0: What do we see the future of this fight being? Because obviously there's a whole, a lot of other issues at at play. And, you know, I don't think as many people are going into being nurses and healthcare workers, especially I would say after this whole thing where they're like, yeah, uh, no, thanks. Um, Yeah. Like, are we, I I don't even know if you like know the answer, you can just kind of speculate, but like, are we going to be seeing, more and more people quitting, uh, protests, like people walk out. And then what do you think the effects of that will be? Like, (laughs) how could we potentially see a collapse?
1: Yes, there's, I'm predicting a collapse. I mean, you're going to see a few things. So you're going to see some generational differences, right? And this is where, this is the where they're going to have the biggest problem. So all the people who could retire as the pandemic started more or less did retire. They didn't want to go through that. Um, it, a lot of them had retired just before that, um, especially at my workplace because we had introduced an electronic charting system and they didn't want to learn it. They were like, oh, okay, we're, you know, we're a year away. We'll just retire. So we'd already had lost a lot of the senior nurses, the ones in that level, just below that. Um, a lot of them have left since the pandemic because of short staffing or, or they're injured and they have to go off to other places because the mm. workload is so high physically. Right. And then you've got this generation who uh, is probably maybe my age and, and younger, and they're going, fuck it. I have options. And I think nursing before was seen as a calling, um, a duty, um, you know, like very Florence Nightingale and this is this is my my duty to take care of people and this is what I need to do and we put a lot they put a lot of stuff on the back burner because oh this is just the job but in my age group that I'm seeing so people in their 30s are going I'm not going to be treated like this I have options I can go back to school I can go work for the government I can go work for you know Immigration Canada I can start my own business I don't need to put up with this I'm out of here we, we are a generation that puts, um, you know, we, we work to live. We don't live to work. And that's a problem for the public if we're not compensated adequately for our job. Because we say, well, we're being kind of treated like shit. We're going to leave. We're going to find something else. And a lot of people are doing that. I have met two people in the last just couple of months who have started their own business. And this is good. I'm proud of them. And I think it's, it's really good for, of them to do that for them. But as a healthcare system, this is bad for the public because they charge it's private, right? So if you don't have anybody to take care of you, there's always going to be someone there, but you're going to have to pay for it. And then this is, this is kind of how I see the government privatizing healthcare. That makes sense. I don't know if I explained mm-hmm. that properly. <laughs> no, it
0: does. And then it starts to affect, as always, the most vulnerable people in our society who yeah. are not going to be able to seek care. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I want to get on the, like the podcast, someone who really knows more about this, but with our aging population uh, and and we're going to really see an increase of people who who, you know, are older and already as it is just what we have baseline. Now we do not have enough generation Z or millennials to take care of boomers as they get into retirement age and old age. Yeah. Like it's already, we're already pretty screwed. Um, our economy is going to be pretty screwed, but the, the healthcare, like our healthcare is already screwed and we're not even seeing like the large uptick we're going to start seeing with all the baby boomers who start entering nursing homes and retirement homes and start falling and getting injured or getting sick with cancer or other, you know, whatever going into the hospital, like it's bad now.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's going to be worse in five, 10, 15 years. And not only do I not see anybody really doing anything about this at a political or leadership level, I don't even see people talking about this really, except like a select few of academics. I'm trying. (laughs) Yes, you. Yeah. uh, And there's advocates for sure. But like, just like we are want to talk about the climate. Absolutely. It's scary. But right here at home, we are going to have a whole bunch of shit. We're going to have to deal with real Mm -hmm. quickly. And I don't think we're prepared.
1: No, we're not prepared. And like, I had a friend leave the province because her daughter needed, 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 there's a lot more than her being autistic that we found out since then. But at the time the funding here was so poor and the healthcare wasn't adequate for her needs. So she left, she, she packed up her family and she moved to Alberta and because they had a better program for autism over there. And that's what people will do. I mean, people who need care like that, um, they'll just go somewhere else where they can get it. And that's the exact same for, for the workers is people who want to be compensated for the quality of work that they do are, are going to go elsewhere and they'll go to the States. You know, we, we get double the pay if we just yeah. go drive a couple hours into New York. So my you know, mom, like,
0: that's what my mom almost did when she was a nurse and except she ended up having me, but her <laughs> choice was to go to the States and you know, you get paid way better.
1: <laughs> you do get paid way better. It's uh. It's shocking how much more you're paid in the states, and their uh, their signing bonuses are large, and yeah, you're taxed and, and whatnot, but it's still incentive, and that's that's kind of what we're missing too in Ontario is we're missing the incentive, and it's not good enough to just bring new nurses through the program. You have to you have to want the people who are already employed to want to stay. You need to offer incentives to the nurses you already have for a couple of reasons. One. They're already trained and they already know what they're doing. And two, you need people to train these newcomers. And, you you know, you need preceptors for new grads who are coming through the program. And you just need you need senior nurses on on the floors for when shit hits the fan. You Mm -hmm. need someone to go to. You can't just staff the place with a bunch of a bunch of new nurses and they will become They will become the go-to people eventually. But when you're fresh out of university and you don't have any experience, you need the nurses with experience. So they need to start retaining who they have. They need to start making it appealing to stay. And that's what they're missing right now.
0: I mean, at this point with where we're at now, would, you know, even a 2% raise end up keeping like, would that even solve anything? Say they get rid of this bill and you're able to get that that very minimal, but thankful raise of not even what our inflation rate is it right mm-hmm. now. Um, well like, would that even be enough? Cause to me, like, it would seem that I still, I mean, I'm not a nurse, you know, the answer more than I do, but like it, is it even worth it even as much as you might love it? Like it really is like, mm.
1: like, <laughs> so, yeah, I, so I, and inflation, isn't it like 4% or something? So- Stupid high right now. It's really high.
0: Month to month, I've seen like nine percent. Like so. Oh, like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I think six months ago, two percent might have been enough. Mm. I think um, you know when I, when after the third wave, I think if we had gotten a, a raise, I think that m- maybe, probably more so. But now, since since Bill one twenty four. He's Doug Ford's. He's set off the fire in so many nurses, and we've been vocal. You know, some of us have been vocal. Na- Nancy in Toronto. Um, you know, I, me, and Alicia have been pretty vocal here, along with others. A lot of them coming out to the media, talking about stuff. Um, but one of the things we're hearing the most is the amount of abuse nurses receive on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and that is what people are now people are focusing on the quality of the environment in which we work on. And I think if he had given the raise, it may have not led to the point where everyone was speaking. It would still happen and it's still not right. But I think the focus has shifted against, okay, well, why do you think you deserve the raise? And here's all the reasons, including the, you know, the amount of verbal, sometimes physical abuse that we've faced Um you know, all of the the staffing issues and the mental health crisis that a lot of people are going through. So now we've really all opened up about these other issues in the profession. And I'm not sure that would have happened if we had gotten the raise. So I think at this point, people might be leaving because of the stresses of the job, and not so much because of the money and and just wanting to be treated like a human being. (laughs) And I'm not sure that's so much to ask.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it it was always one thing that you might have a a patient who is abusive, whether verbally or physically, but now you're facing, like, it goes back to that, you know, people protesting outside the hospitals, Um, people like literally yelling at nurses as they, they walk by the street in their uniform. I think, I mean, I don't want to like spread misinformation, but I I swear I've seen a story of like anti-vaxxers, like following nurses home, like, it's grown into this especially over the summer once the vaccines started to really like happen and and people started getting them like it seemed to take it to this this whole new level of unhingedness that i never thought mm-hmm. never in my wildest dreams especially at the beginning when again those pots and pans are buying you pizza like oh nurses healthcare heroes <laughs> and now all of a sudden like people are like spitting in your face after two years of absolute shit like it's Yeah, I I don't even, I don't even know where to go from here. I don't.
1: I mean, people spat in our face before the pandemic. (laughs) Oh
0: Jesus
1: Christ! (laughs) I think that's one of the things too that's missing is everyone kind of focused on nursing in the pandemic and all these problems, but all these problems were there before. Mm -hmm. You know, we were short staffed before. We were uh, abused. You know, emotionally, verbally, physically. Before, none of this is new. I mean, same with the PPE. We have patients on MRSA and the shingles where we wear N95 masks for influenza, where we gown up and wear the visors and the masks. And, you know, we've done all this before, maybe not to the extent, sometimes, like, especially if a unit's on outbreak, it's everyone who's on precautions. That's a lot, Um, you know, for the nurses to get dressed up every single time they go into a room. But all of this happened before, but the protesters that struck a really sensitive chord in a lot of people. I, I picked up um, an ICU overtime shift after that protest, and I had a senior nurse tell me, "I'm done. Uh, after that, I'm putting in my retirement notice. I might have worked an extra year where the nurses can like go down to a 0.8, so they, they work one less shift every set. And she said, "After that, I'm not putting up with that anymore. I'm quitting. So now we've just are not quitting, retiring. So because of this extremist group, uh, you know, we're losing a nurse, a, a senior, highly qualified, highly trained, highly respected, um, critically cr- trained, nurse, like critical, tra- critically <laughs> care trained nurse, um, and that's one person gone. You know what I mean? Because of that, so." The protests were just so bizarre to me. They didn't make any sense. I didn't understand what they were doing outside the hospital. I, the whole thing was just really stupid, and <laughs> almost laughable.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they know what they were doing either. Obviously
1: no. they,
0: they weren't very rational or, uh, well thought out people to, to do that. Like what? I, there's just so much to go into there, but, but I don't even want to give them the grace of trying to figure them out.
1: <laughs> no, but the most upsetting part about those protesters was I had a patient and she was in a room where you overlook the street and she was so upset. You know, she was like, what is this? Like, I'm scared. I don't understand what's going on. You know, are they going to come into the hospital? Cause nurses were, we were talking about it, you know, and I'm I'm sure they, they picked up on the vibe and maybe overheard some stuff. Her room was right outside of the break room. Um, but I, I just sat with her and I was like, just, just ignore them. Like, just, I I don't know what to tell you, but just ignore them. They're not the ones in here taking care of you, but that's the worst part is that that rolled over into how a a patient, someone who's vulnerable, how they felt, Mm. And that made me feel sick to my stomach. And I was just so mad walking to my car that day, watching them. And I was just like, you, you guys make me sick. Like the, and, and they come across like they're representing nurses too. And that's the worst part of it.
0: Well, I think some were nurses who like maybe organized it or that might've been fake, but I think it was nurses who were against the vaccine mandate, or at least some of them were.
1: Yeah. I, I went on there, I uh, went into a terrible rabbit hole. That day. I looked, I looked them <laughs> oh, up, no. but they were called, um, they call themselves Canadian frontline nurses. And a couple of the nurses, they are, they are nurses, but they were like suspended. And, you know, one of them was at the Capitol riots and stuff. Like, it was just such a bunch of bullshit and just not what we needed. It was the absolute last thing we needed at that time. And it was like kicking us when we were down
0: it did an incredible incredible amount of disservice to the work you've been doing because people especially who are against vaccines and I had people like comment this to me on social media that oh well if these nurses aren't getting the vaccine and they're scared they must not work like just totally going in the face of everything they said they believed in at one time or I don't know a better way to phrase that but the amount of harm that these people did like I just it set everything back for like vaccines and nurses like at least a few months and just yeah. gave more ammo like I <laughs> I mean you don't have to get into it because I don't want you to get in trouble but like I don't even understand how you could like work with people like that like have them on your team uh it would just be yeah. awful yeah
1: I I don't know anybody so I'll be very honest I haven't come across anyone personally who's been against the vaccines I think it's a very small amount of people and I I'm I'm happy I haven't come come across it and now um it's mandatory so if you're if you're there working you're vaccinated um (coughs) sorry but I, I just don't have any time for it. And I think I've really had to remove myself from pretty much every social situation I come across at work just for like my own sanity. Like I Mm. can't listen to it all day. Um, It really gets in your head and really messes with you. And it's very easy to overhear something that's not necessarily true. You know, Mm. like you could be hearing something that's, you know, he said, she said, and as you're walking by, you could hear that and think something different of it. So I just like headphones in, head down, do my job, um, take care of my patients as best as I can, and know that I'm vaccinated and that I'm protecting myself. And hopefully that also adds a layer of protection to my patients. And I I just can't think about any you know anybody else because if you start getting wrapped up into that person's not vaccinated what are their thoughts on it what are they saying on social media it's such a downward spiral and with everything going on with the pandemic and at home and the schools I just couldn't take any more of it and even with trying to cut that stuff out um, I still reached a, a, a max of, of what I could handle and you know I tried I tried to to you know not get involved in those protests. And that was really hard. Mm-hmm. And do I contribute that to part of my like downfall? Yeah, probably a little bit. That was a point where I got really, really mad. And when it comes to my coworkers, I just, you know, I can't, I have a handful of, you know, people on my team or people who I know personally, who I, I talk to and I, everyone else, I just have blinders on. If that makes sense. <laughs> I hope I mean, that doesn't sound cold,
0: <laughs> but I you gotta protect yourself. And I'm yeah. sure you're not, you know, probably you and all your colleagues probably kind of have a similar mindset because you like, you have to protect your own, your, yourself and your own mental health. Like it mm-hmm. to give into all this shit. I mean, like, I think we're all doing it. Like I, I especially like you, you can't give into all the shit right now. There's just so much, there's so much information and disinformation what's true what's real so much conversation i'm just like yeah you know uh, i went down a rabbit hole before and a downward spiral because of it and uh, i protect myself all the time now from it especially from social media Um, yeah
1: um i i actually just tweeted i tweeted yet i've actually private messaged them a few times um ottawa public health i find There, I I try and stay off Facebook for the most part. I find it really toxic with the comments. There's something about that platform that really has, like, all the crazies come out. (laughs) And on the Ottawa Public Health website, whenever they post something, they post an article filled with information, research-based information. And in their comments is just, like, dumpster fire people. Mm -hmm. And garbage, garbage comments and... I messaged them a couple of times on different platforms and was like, can you guys follow in CBC's footsteps and turn off your commenting? There's really no need for dialogue when you're putting out a news article, something with, with research and evidence-based facts. There is no need for commenting. And if someone disagrees with it, then they can do their own research and they, they can do their own post. But when you open up the city of Ottawa, which is the, country's capital you know like it's not just people who live here who are watching this and the amount of false information that people post under that is mind-blowing and I tweeted out today would you guys consider turning off your comments and I got a couple trolls you know say some nasty stuff and then I got a lot of like people who agree so I'm hoping that they'll do that because I find that their Facebook group is the worst one out there right now
0: I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but I'll DM you the name of their social media manager.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, thank you. But I,
0: I don't disagree with you. Um, when it's when it's public information like this, I, we don't need comments and questions and and no. people all chatting in the con- like. It's just, and I'll tell you as someone who works in social media, the reason it seems like there's two kind of main reasons why Facebook is kind of like the shit show of social media (laughs) when it comes to this stuff. One, most of the younger generation only uses it for family, friends, like quick posts. They don't, they don't really engage too much with the articles in terms of commenting, liking, sharing anymore. The second is it pushes the algorithm pushes this type of content to people who engage with it frequently, and who engages with these things frequently people who are, and it's the same with news articles who are trying to disprove or argue or write, Like, cause they're just on it all day. And that's yeah. why like rational people aren't usually in the comments anymore, like arguing. Cause it's just like, it's, it's not worth anybody's time or, yeah. or sanity to, do you to know how arguing. hard
1: it is though, to not reply to these people? Oh, like I am confrontational <laughs> and I see these things and I'm like, are you insane? And, but no, I've like, I've really gotten good at that is just stepping back and being like, not my circus, not my monkey, but it also kind of is my circus and my monkey because it's yeah. these idiots who don't, who don't follow, follow any of the guidelines who end up admitted in the hospital. <laughs> so. uh,
0: yeah, no, you're, you're completely accurate. Um, but I mean, you arguing, you could bring up every point of science you can, and it's not going to change their mind. So it's not, on a total,
1: it. on a total side note, have you seen the, the Reddit subreddit Herman Cain award?
0: I've heard of it, but I haven't seen like the subreddit, <laughs> but I have heard of that thing. It's pretty
1: dark, but if you, if you ever uh, are looking for something new to read, take a, <laughs> take a few minutes and check it out. Cause it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really sad, but it's, it's also like, this is the only way that people, that people get it. Some yeah. people you know, and that's, that's so, so sad because it could be prevented and they just
0: don't do it. Yeah, no, it, it's at this point of the pandemic, it's like, like, what more can we do? And it, it for me, you know, not even as a healthcare worker, the hardest part is like, you know, deep down that the only way you're ever going to reach these people is, is compassion and just understanding and not being angry and just, encouraging as much as you can without reacting Mm -hmm. or or they get covid or someone they love gets covid and gets really sick and either dies or long covid like that's really the only two ways they're going to to change their mind and it's just so unfortunate because there's (laughs) nothing really else you can do you can get mad as you want it might make you feel better in the moment but it's also gonna make you feel like shit yeah. arguing with these people. And it's just so sad. And I feel more for healthcare workers because like you said, then they're in the ICU and you have to take care of them. And like, we had the answers all along mm-hmm. and now it's just what like, right. We have to just go through this circle all the time. It's like,
1: I saw a TikTok video yesterday and it was a nurse. I think she was in the States and she basically, it, if I can find it again, I'll send it to you. And she said, you know, at this point in the pandemic. I clock in, I do my job, and I clock out. I'm not gonna try and change your mind. I'm not here to, you know, to do anything else except for clock in, do my job, and clock out, and that's it. You you have my my best self at work, but that's it. And it really struck a chord. I was like, damn, she's right. Like, it was to that point where I was going in, and I was like, I'm here. It's eight o'clock. Okay, that's great. And then I'm constantly staring at my cell phone, waiting for it to ring, to go pick up a child mm. and, or to hear there's been a, a, a case or, or whatever, and someone's got to go for testing and blah, 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 blah. It was just a revolving door of problems. And she spoke to me. It was like, I was telling that story. She's like, clock in, clock out, whatever. Like, I don't care anymore. And there definitely is, I'm, I wouldn't say I feel that at work because I haven't personally come across anti-vaxxers or anything like that, but I have in my personal life. And, you know, I I actually got into it with a friend of mine and she, she's vaccine hesitant. We'll call it that, whatever. And, uh, I I was really mad at her. And I, like I said before, like you just have to not let your brain go there anymore for your own well being, because if that's the case, you're going to just be mad at everything
0: all the time. And
1: I, you can't do that.
0: I was supposed to have a gentleman on my podcast, but I got ghosted um, the day of the interview. Uh, but he studies conspiracies and uh, especially into this this whole movement towards wellness, which both you and I are very much sort of into in terms mm-hmm. of you know like fitness and taking care of yourself and mind and all that stuff. I'm not against wellness, but it was this idea of how it's become cult like and. And this idea of like purity and because did you see that thing where like anti-vaxxers, like everyone kind of thought it was like, you know, like the old 50 year old man in his basement, but it turns out it's like 42 year old uh, white women who vote liberal are the most likely to be (laughs) anti-vax. And a lot of it has to do with uh, like the mommy culture and like wellness culture and this idea of like purity and, you know, that, you know, our, our natural systems can take like control, right? Like it, it was just really struck a chord. So I was, I found someone who was writing about it and doing research on it. And then I That's wish so I had it on, but it took me completely by surprise. But as I look at my social media, a lot of the people who, I mean, it's anecdotal, right? It's just people I come across, but most of the people are like wellness influencers who are all like, always against lockdown, always against vaccines. Like you look at Doug Ford's daughter, same thing. She's a wellness influencer, Hmm. peddling misinformation. It's just, it was just really interesting that it kind of flipped the dynamic on its head.
1: I can't even with Doug Ford's daughter. (laughs) I I watched that interview with her on her treadmill. Did you watch that?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I don't even have
1: words. It's so rare that I'm speechless. And I was like, this, this is who's running our problem. Like this is who, this is family of who's in charge of us. This is not going to go well.
0: Explains a lot. It does explain a
1: lot. Do you remember uh, Rob Ford? Like it kind of, it just kind of became that he just doesn't exist. I mean, I know he passed away and it's not a nice story, but it's like everything that happened with him. Just, I feel like it didn't happen or like, it wasn't real. And then. I th- then like Doug Ford has come out and he is just as kind of crazy, you know? And like, we let these people run our province, but bl- just blows my mind. Sorry. Yeah, Anyways, I, I mean, digress. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: it's the, it's the Trump effect. It's the right. We have a, a split province really when it comes to politics, like we kind of are more liberal, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: with conservative politics and uh, really that doesn't come down to policy. That's just kind of what people say. And that's, you know, I mean, Rob Ford was a circus, like the crack scandal I know. The more than the more and more than enough to eat at home comment. Like, remember it, he it like just...
1: knocked that woman over in, uh, in Congress one day, <laughs> like, yeah. he was a train wreck and, you know, rest in peace. And I don't want to talk ill of the dead, but he was a disaster. And, and then we, we still voted in his brother after all that, you know, and like at some point it's our fault.
0: It is. Our, it is our, well, I mean, it's not my fault. I know my fault either, them, but you're right. Um, what's the mood like right now? Because we're at a very weird time where there is hope. I mean, um, I know your kids got vaccinated. Uh, all my siblings just got their first dose and there was a lot of elation. Mm-hmm. Now we're in this uncertainty of what's this next variant going to be like. Life is sort of almost Back to normal in a lot of cases, but not quite. And now we, you know, we don't know what to think. We don't know what the next couple of weeks are going to be like. What's the mood like in the hospital? Is it like anxiety? Is it deflation? Is a little column A, a little column B? What are nurses and healthcare workers feeling right now?
1: So, I mean, I haven't been there in a couple of weeks, so I can't speak to like currently today. But when I left. The mood was tired. Everyone is tired. And there was quite a lot of units on COVID outbreak when I left. And that's exhausting because you are gowning up and, you know, visors on every single time you go into a room, every single time. And that for 12 hours is exhausting. And I think there's a shift coming, you know, I've I've gotten some like cryptic emails and, Spoken to some people who have have kind of hinted towards change. And it's not a secret, you know, it's there's job postings and whatnot. And I think the, I think the culture is changing. They have to switch to a different type of um, collaborative care nursing model. They have to, because with the short staffing issue and patients are not decreasing, they have to do something. So change is coming, I think. And there's a little bit of hesitancy towards it. And there's also a little bit of relief. Okay, like at least we're going to do something. Um, Lots of role changes, extra management positions coming up. And they're going to be bringing in uh, RPNs and do more of like a team nursing approach when they're short-staffed and having a bigger um, resource nurse pool. So that means like nurses don't necessarily know where they're going to work that day but they're scheduled for a day and they're put where they're needed Mm. so they are changing things a little bit to kind of um adapt to this short staffing is it a long-term solution I don't know um but they it's being recognized that nurses are not doing well I think in my opinion you know there's been a lot of push towards wellness and I personally feel like there's a lot of support out there, but it's not easy to navigate, which is what I found, you know, Uh, to find a a therapist is like pulling teeth. It's impossible to navigate the system. And then it's impossible to talk to someone and then you have no idea who they're, who you're talking to. And if they know anything about uh, you know, what you've been through or, or what you're currently going through. So it's, it's there for you, but it's also not super user-friendly if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, that's my, that's my realm.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so that's frustrating. And when you're not your best self and you're not functioning fully, it should be the easiest type of, of world to navigate, to get help. And it, it's just not. Um, so I think that there's change coming. So I think there's some hesitancy towards it. There's some welcome welcoming towards it, depending on, on who you are, but also, there's just no end in sight. And I mean, personally, I I blame not everyone getting vaccinated. <laughs> and I know that that's not fair. It's not a fair statement. But I do think if more people had gotten vaccinated sooner, you know, some of this could have been avoided. And, not, and I'm not talking about the hospital. I'm not talking about Ottawa. But the world, you know, like they're... South Africa, for example, right? This is where this new variant has come from. And they're at like 20 or 30% vaccination rates. Why, why, why are they not getting vac- vaccinated? Why do they not have the vaccine? Why is it not being pushed everywhere? And that's what frustrates me too, because you can't stop people from traveling and seeing family. I'm not talking about luxury vacations. I'm talking about visiting family, funerals, weddings, births of babies, grandparents, you know, you can't stop people from traveling. This whole problem is global. And we have, from what I hear, we have so many vaccinations just sitting around. Why are we not helping other countries that, that don't have it? Why are we not donating to them? And why are we not sending people to go do vaccinations? And this is just not an Ottawa problem. It's not an Ontario problem. This is something global at this point. And it's not going to stop. There's not going to be an end in sight until we have global vaccinations. And that right now with the new variant is something that is, is in my head is why are these countries not vaccinated and why do they not have access to it?
0: Yeah. We, uh, we all, I think the lo- people who followed this always knew this was going to happen again. Yeah. A new variant would emerge experts have been warning. Um, So when this, you know, first was found in South Africa and Botswana and then in Europe and how quickly it came out, like everyone's just like, we knew we didn't know this one, like with all the mutations and what that's going to mean, that's what causes a little more anxiety, but we always knew variants were going to happen. And like, it's interesting. So when we look at like the poorer countries, uh, countries in Africa, um, some of the poorer nations, you know, Sri Lanka, Myanmar, Yemen, you know, just places that can't afford it and are relying on the donations is very slow. But then you look at countries in I mean, even America um, is not doing well. I think they're at like 50, 60 percent. Uh, you look at Eastern Europe. Um, that is, you know, we look at Austria and what they have to do. They're going to start finding people daily who don't get yeah. the vaccine by February. Uh Eastern Europe's very opposed to they have a lot of it. Russia, who's like, I think they're still leading the world, if not top. They're still vaccine like hesitant. Like, I don't care, I'm not getting it. Right. Like, so we have these two issues. We have people not getting supply. And then we just have just lack of education, information. I mean, South Africa has supply and they just have a huge rate of like just people who don't want to get it, despite it all. And it's just for us who Canada has done relatively well with vaccinations compared to the rest of the world, it's like climate change, right? We can do all we can do and we do a decent job at it. And then uh, we rely on the rest of the world. And now we're, we just, we're pretty much doomed. And, you know, I don't want to think pessimistically about the rest of the world and, and where we're going to go, but I mean, I like, I, I don't see it getting much better at all.
1: Me neither. And I such a Debbie downer way to think about <laughs> it, but it's, it's true. I, I really believe that I, I don't see there going there any change and what scares me the most out of that is the vulnerable people who um, you know, the handful of reasons why you actually can't get a vaccination um, children you know like yes 5 to to 11 are able to get vaccinated now but they're still not going to get their second shot until maybe february and then what about babies to to 4 you know i have a toddler and what if what if he gets sick you know he's maybe asthmatic he's had some respiratory issues over the last little while and you know what if he gets sick and what about the elderly you know i i think the worst thing that i see in misinformation and on that sp- Stupid Facebook group is, oh, you got COVID and oh, I guess vaccinations didn't really work for you. Mm-hmm. No one said that vaccinations are a hundred percent against getting COVID. What they said was you have a significantly lower chance of being in the hospital or the ICU. This is a layer of protection. It's not a magic wand. This is not Hogwarts. And That's what bothers me the most is no one, like whenever they're, they, they go after false information, it's always attacking someone who got COVID, who got vaccinated. It's not, Oh my gosh, I wish, wish them the best. Or even a kid, there was a kid in the news. Um, and someone was like, do they have any comorbidities? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's still a child and they still have COVID in the hospital. And you don't get to say that because you're trying to say that vaccines don't work. Yeah. It's just horrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, the amount of hope I've lost in society and people, and I'm someone who loves people and I try to tell people as best I can. It's like, I just, I don't know anymore. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I want to talk about the podcast before I let you go. Um, Beyond the Bedpan, episode seven was just released yesterday. Yesterday, the stuntman stew. Um, I know you mentioned it kind of with you know me and and our our conversation in April, but what else goes into this? Because you've already had sort of it's not just healthcare people. You've kind of had a, a a lot of different people in your first couple episodes. So what, what's going on with that? As the, the wine hits the back of the throat in the wrong way. No, I'm just getting
1: over a cold. Eventually the kids, um, all of their sickness ended up on me. Uh,
0: being a parent. So I just got
1: my voice back I actually had to cancel a podcast the other day. Cause I had no voice. Um, so yeah, I had stunt and stew on <clears throat> and the point is to, you know, I, I've said a lot of like negative and honest things. in, in this conversation, cause you know, it's, it's real but the point of the podcast is to take a different spin on it and it's to try and get some public awareness. So nurses are vocal, nurses have been out there, we've we've said our piece and we're not being listened to. So the next person or people who we need to speak up and to get the attention of is the public. They're the ones who are voting. And I think there's some people who think healthcare doesn't really affect them, you know, I've never been sick. My family's healthy. All my loved ones are healthy. But then they hear a story like my second guest, Jeanette, who was young, healthy, and in a car accident, and then how that affected her life, you know? And then so people who have maybe been in a, a fender bender who, who maybe got some whiplash or whatnot can, can maybe relate to Jeanette and think that could have been a lot worse for me and healthcare could have affected me the way it affected her. And so that's what I'm getting from a patient's perspective is I'm trying to open people's minds to the fact that healthcare affects every single person, whether it's you directly or indirectly um, or as an employee or whatever. It affects you. Now, you could argue other provincial issues like education. Maybe that doesn't affect you. I mean, in the long run yeah, for like, definitely, but us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But Look at us
0: now, <laughs> yeah.
1: But in the long run, yes. But people don't often think in the long run, but a car accident, a heart attack, a stroke that could happen to you tomorrow. So I'm trying to get their attention as if this could be you. And then I'm also interviewing nurses, um, of different professions that are not just in a hospital so that if people are thinking of leaving their job, maybe they don't leave nursing altogether. You know, maybe they go into cosmetic nursing, or maybe they go into the dental world doing sedation dentistry, or maybe Mm. they start their own business doing something that they're really passionate about. So I'm trying to get, there's a lot of different areas of nursing that people just don't know about. So I'm trying to get them to tell their story so that nurses who are listening can say, Oh, maybe instead of leaving nursing altogether, I could just try something new and Mm. stay in the profession and build my own little empire. So that's kind of the, the goal of the podcast. Um, and I've also just found it very therapeutic. I love speaking to people about their stories. Um, I like, you know, debriefing my own story with them. Like I had Alicia on and, you know, we more or less just talked socially for an hour (laughs) and, uh, and it was great. And whenever I'm done filming a a podcast, I feel amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm in such a good Mm -hmm. mood. I'm so uplifted and it's like this boost of serotonin and I feel really good. So it makes me happy. It's a hobby. And, you know, you say like, where do you find the time to do it? We kind of do it together as a family. So my husband does all like the editing and the, the music, all this, like I'm not very good with technology. <laughs> and so he does all that stuff. I come up with the ideas. My son likes to play around with it as well. He's really into computers and you know, they're all really interested. Like my kids ask me almost every night, do you have a podcast tonight? Who are you talking to? And it's just uh, it's something really nice to do. So it's, it's really added to my life, whether I get a lot of listeners or not, I don't know, but um. Well, I do know it's not that many, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Like I, I like it. And if I reach one person who goes, Oh, I had no idea that that's what was happening in the healthcare world. Maybe I'll do a little bit more research before I vote in June. Then I've done a good job.
0: Mm. Mm. All right. so That means we're gonna have to have another conversation before voting time. Yes. And we're really we going to we'll get super deep. Um, <laughs> I, I relate to that so much. It's so true. And even when I'm talking about a a sadder subject or a heavier subject, whether it's, it's something about, you know, what's going on in the healthcare system or mental illness or something, you know, race like black lives matter or indigenous fight or, you know, trans issues, things that are deep and they, you know, I have to put a trigger warning and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. really affect me. I actually leave that just as well as a positive one because connecting with someone on such a deep, intimate level and really like, you know, I'm not looking at my phone, not looking at my computer. I'm, I'm in this conversation connecting with another human being. There is something, it just, it fills my soul. Yeah. It, it really, really does. And you're right. Like the serotonin boost, the, mm-hmm. the, the learning from it, the and just the conversation, because, you know, I didn't speak to anybody today. I didn't even open my mouth, I think, <laughs> other than to say swear words because I was working. <laughs> right? I was I'm in my apartment all the time. Like, it's been such a beautiful experience, especially over this pandemic, even though I started before. Yeah, um, I love it. And I still don't even have that many listeners. And I'm on this is going to be episode 128. So, I mean, if it ever does. Cool. Yeah. Awesome,
1: but you're but not doing it for other people. You no. do it for you. Right. And you do it for something that you're passionate about. And I saw that, like you really inspired me with that. And then I began listening to podcasts and nothing like, like yours or <laughs> mine like i listen to garbage like <laughs> <laughs> i love uh two bears one cave is my favorite i love that
0: pressure oh Yeah. My God, he's he's, so he's a
1: lot though he's a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then i listen to giggly squad and i like i listen to yours i listen to quads and who's the other one something was wrong i don't know if you've ever listened to that it's really good mm. um so i have like i i got into all of those over the summer and then I was like, man, I, I like writing and I get, I get an outlet from writing, but I don't get that dialogue and I want that dialogue. I want that socialization factor of it. And it, exactly what you said. Like, I just, I love connecting with people. It's, it's something I really enjoy. So even if I only get 20 listeners or 50 listeners, I don't care. Cause it's, uh, it's me doing something that makes me feel good.
0: Yeah. It takes time. It's all about just consistency. That's what I always tell people when they start podcasting. It's just just keep doing it. As long as you're having fun, you don't find it yeah. too overbearing. If you need to take a step back, like anything, take that step back. I took two mental health breaks this year.
1: Yeah, um, I'm on one right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, um, but it's a uh, t- as long as you're having fun, like it's it's good. And then you meet absolutely incredible people. Like we connected. I, I mean, I'm looking at like uh I don't know if you know Alex from Time for Your Hobby, who yeah. Uh, he's great. Becca, the unashamed alcoholic, like quad I had frigging just before the pandemic. Um, yeah, you just meet such amazing, incredible people. And then you, you become friends and then you meet in real life and you're like, Whoa, this is weird. Um, <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. Like
1: I'm still pretty antisocial. <laughs> I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm not ready for real people yet, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's so much fun and I, I really like it. So I have you to thank for that. Cause you really, uh, you were really my intro to this type of stuff. And and maybe we could, we could give Casey a shout out too. Cause she's the most supportive human being on this planet.
0: She's Casey, just the best. I like, I, she inspires me so much. Like as to, a human being. Yeah. To yeah. like give back and support my friends. And like, I've never met a single person like her. Me neither. Despite everything that she goes through herself. Yeah. And, and as a nurse to like, just like a plus.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. She wants to do a, a meet your hosts episode with me, and I'm so nervous about it because you know usually like I'm the one asking the questions. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm gonna take her up on that. I think do it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it I'll should be it tips. should be
1: fun. I wanted to ask you what is your like biggest lesson that you've learned since doing a podcast? Like something you a mistake you were doing in the beginning that you would change or like. Or they, you know what I mean? In terms
0: of life or about podcasting specifically? Podcasting. Ooh. I'm still, I still say I'm in like a lot, which I try to cut out, but (laughs) it's like inherent in my being that I do it in meetings. I do it everywhere, but it's something I, I always think about. I think it's better to just like, it's learning how to make people comfortable, I guess. Um, I think I've always been good at that, but as I talk to more and more people and start to learn social cues and and you know when a question might make them uncomfortable and and how I can maybe rephrase things to 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 make it more comfortable or come out right, right. Asking questions seems easy, but it's not, and it's Mm -mm. not always easy to keep the conversation flowing. Yeah. Um. So it's how do you do that? How even, you know, some people might not give as much as others. Some people are just naturals and they just, they, they get it. But I think it's really just how to frame questions to get the best out of people. Um, and, and to make them feel as though they are empowered and they are confident and they are able to answer this question, even if they're uncertain in a confident and and great way, because, you know, there's so many people who be like, oh, I'm sorry if I spoke too long or I'm like, no, 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 no.
1: (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Go for 10
0: (laughs) minutes if you want. If you have 10 minutes of something to say, I'm happy to just, you know, let's go.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love the active listening part. You know, I, I tend to, I mean, I'll admit it. I can take over a conversation and this has forced me to learn how to actively listen to people. And I love that part. And I notice it in my daily life too. You know, instead of being so, you know, self-admittedly self-absorbed sometimes, I can take a step back and be like, no, I want to know about you. And I now can ask you these questions. But one thing I would do differently <laughs> if I to go, was to go back is I started advertising my guests before I had interviewed them. And then as you know, you get ghosted and then I have to delete stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. So that politician in my writing who said he'd be on my podcast has never replied to me. And I never I never dated online. So I didn't really get the, the oh. ghosting thing till now. But I was like, why isn't he replying to me? Like, how come I have to message him again? And how many times is desperate? And I was like, really in my head about it.
0: Yeah. Get used to that. People will be like, oh, I'm <laughs> so down. You'll set a time. You'll send them a link. Everything's good. They confirm. And then just that day, you just poof. And then you know, like, Hey, can we reschedule? And just, I, I get, I mean, I'm so used to that from my business world and dating life, but uh, <laughs> as a podcaster, like it'll happen and you'll have like, you'll be setting something up with someone and they'll stop replying. I mean,
1: yeah. I could probably be
0: at like 160 episodes with with the amount of people who've like ghosted so
1: oh that's brutal and I have been known you know a lot of people with like social anxiety to cancel um and this is a really another good tool for me too to not do that because I'm like oh no somebody's like someone's probably showered somebody's probably like had to figure out zoom like I'm not gonna cancel and I have a commitment tonight and so like for my mental health too which is again a whole other podcast this has been really beneficial, but yeah, like I had someone a couple of weeks ago, a huge name in the nursing world, um, you know. And I'm sitting here, like waiting patiently with all my notes and stuff. She's not showing up, not showing up. And I call her, and she was like, "Oh, it's not on my schedule for tonight." Like, okay, <laughs> like, all right, thank you. And that was just it. And I was, oh, I was so nervous. My palms were sweaty, and then nothing. So it's kind of disappointing, but yeah. I guess I have to get used to it.
0: I mean, I get it. People have shit come up. They don't always, um, you know, they're busy. People have anxiety, all that stuff. Totally understood. Even yeah. if they miss it and they email after and they're like, I'm so sorry. Uh, like, totally get it. Like, that's mm-hmm. totally cool with me. I, I I understand it as a person who juggles many different hats. Um, but, like, yeah, it's the people who don't always give courtesy. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, I suppose the alternative is me just like going downstairs and watching Vanderpump Rules. So, you know, it's not really, it's not a loss.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm just on TikTok. So. Oh
1: my God. Can we talk about TikTok for a second?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys
1: got me obsessed. I... I like, I'm really offended that I'm not an immediate TikTok star. Like I, I'm like only 100 views how dare you? Like, how come no one is interested in this? This is hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, it's such an interesting platform because, you know, it. you can have something that like my, the biggest one I got was like 400 and some thousand views. <gasps> um, and really, then,
1: what was it?
0: Uh, <laughs> it was me dancing as Harry Styles in a suit jacket with no shirt on.
1: So I think that that's the kind of stuff that gets a lot of views, though. And like, it's, I'm just not willing to to dance on TikTok yet.
0: Which, yeah, um, but it's funny, right? Like, so that did it, you know, went vi- viral, whatever you want to call it. But I didn't get any follows, like, really. <laughs> I got some, but if I make like a a dating TikTok that went goes really well, like I I did one where I updated my Hinge profile with a voice prompt about going to therapy, and I did it as like a radio commercial. And like that stuff, it didn't get, it got like 40,000 views, but I got like, like hundreds of followers from it. it took, oh it's my so God. weird. How co-
1: I think I saw that one.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's so weird. I don't really know. Like the algorithm is just different. And, you know, as I tell like the people in my life, cause I work in social media as like the announcers, I'm like, it's con- again, consistency, just keep putting things out that are either funny, relatable, entertaining or authentic. And like, it might not always have, but if you just keep doing that and be true to yeah. who you are, like you'll develop some sort of audience. And now I have friends. I literally have friends love I've ever that. Met across the world mm-hmm. who we DM each other on TikTok.
1: Oh, that's the best. I, I came across that a little bit on Instagram and I got a real, I did it with Liam. <laughs> it was like, what is uh name? Something that you're supposed to like, but you actually find really annoying. And then I like dubbed to a picture of my <laughs> toddler and it got 1.2 million views. And I was like, holy shit, like that's legit viral. I and like I got a ton of followers, like thousands of followers off of it. And then I was like, then I discovered TikTok and like Instagram just means nothing to me anymore. It's like I've broken up with my high school boyfriend for my my bigger and better university jog. <laughs> like that's what TikTok is. It's so fun.
0: Instagram, Instagram now is just a place to recycle TikToks.
1: Yes, you're 100 um, percent right. Like that's all I do.
0: And now, now they're they're rejigging their platform to to re like be like TikTok, like everything. Like so now photos don't do as well. It's all about reels and short form content, and uh, it just they they along with Facebook got too greedy. They mm-hmm. they. They wanted you to pay for views, whereas platforms like Twitter and TikTok, I mean, it's a little more hit and miss, but like it's much more organic and authentic.
1: It is. And And my algorithm on TikTok seems to have um, found the adult ranting really popular. So that's that's where I go. And I love it. I think it's so funny. And I asked you how to do a stitch the other day. (laughs) And I, because I don't know how to do this stuff, right? Like Casey for Instagram, basically like helped me build my whole Instagram account. I was like, How do I do this? How do we do this? And then you have helped me build my TikTok account. So there's always someone in charge of my social media. <laughs> got,
0: got your team.
1: <laughs> yeah, my team. Um, But yeah, did you figure I just, it out. I did, and okay. I posted it today. I and it's just like the dumbest thing. But the best part about TikTok, this is my favorite part about it, is that I. No one who follows me. And let's be clear. There's not a lot of people who follow me, but there are only, uh, you Casey, uh, my husband, cause I made him get an account, uh, so he could <laughs> like my stuff <laughs> and, um, one of my coworkers, Kim. So you guys are the only people who know me. So I post with no, I'm not self-conscious at all. I just put up whatever I want and I love it. I just have fun with it.
0: Yeah. And
1: I don't want anyone who I know to follow me.
0: We're not gonna just, tag that name. Don't worry. No, we're not <laughs> gonna tag
1: it. Um, but I just I find it so fun and I love watching the rants. The rants are so, so good because it's so relatable to me. And I'm just like, man, I want to be friends with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have the perception that TikTok is just like kids dancing, and there absolutely is viral kids dancing, but there is like a side of TikTok for everybody. Like no matter what you're into, you can find creators and people making videos about things you enjoy, whether it's sports, wrestling, lego, rants, like and people are like fucking hilarious. They're
1: like, so funny. People I are wish so I funny. was
0: I wish I was that creative sometimes. And like but the isn't amount that of TikToks exactly I it? send. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Oh my God. I send TikToks all day to Casey and Kim and uh, they do it back to Like I'll wake up and I'll have like 30 notifications. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> like what a great way to start the day. It's just the complete opposite platform from the negativity that you find on other platforms. It's oh, well, just there's
0: negativity. L- Don't get me wrong.
1: Oh, I haven't come across it yet, but i mostly, i mostly rants. And honestly, I was like, I thought I was going to be the oldest person on TikTok. And Everyone who comes up on my feed is in their 30s and 40s. And a lot of the men, like there's a lawyer who comes up and he's so funny. And he just like, he just rants about like his clients. And it's one of my favorite people who come up. I love it. I love TikTok. So thank you for that. You have, I was always like, I'll never get TikTok. And here I am. I'm like, okay, it's, uh, I have a 30 minute time block right now for TikTok.
0: Yeah, no, same. I was always, I was like that for so long. And then, I think it was March I made one. And then two of my good friends who were like the same as me were like, we're never getting it. Also got it. (laughs) Um, and now we're like, yeah, we always send each other TikToks. They got even more followers than me. It's stupid.
1: Oh, Um, I'm going to go onto your TikTok and I'm going to try and steal all your followers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm at like 90% women.
1: Well, that's good for you.
0: Yeah, um, because of the thirsty, I go to therapy, single TikToks. See,
1: That's funny you said that because that's exactly what someone said to me. She was like, if you want to increase your following, you've got to do some like thirsty, like mom dance or something. And I was like, no, I'm good. I I don't need a lot of followers. Yeah,
0: I just, <laughs> as a man, I just say I'm emotionally healthy and go to therapy. And I would guess it's kind of like a kink at this point.
1: Have you, do you follow uh, Hannah burner she's
0: mm. she's
1: from uh giggly squad and she is i think you'd love her she's um she was on that reality show summer house again like me with my shit tv
0: what's her name sorry uh,
1: hannah burner it's b-e-r there's an h in it
0: no i'm I looking think- sorry people on youtube we're just shooting the shit now watching <laughs> me look at my phone <laughs> same yeah
1: are you going to keep this in the podcast? I want you to.
0: Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> not- Hannah. Casey. Casey will definitely listen all the way through.
1: B-E-R-N-E-R.
0: B-E-R-N-E-R.
1: So she has two podcasts. She has Burning in Hell and Giggly Squad. Giggly Squad is her and her friend Paige. And they just like, you know, are girly together. And it's the best. But she is all about like the therapy, emotional energy kind of stuff. I think you'd love her page.
0: She's very to, funny. She's a comedian. I'll have to look her up. I don't think I follow her.
1: You should tag her when you post this and see if she uh see if she watches it.
0: <laughs> Although I do have 35 notifications I have to go through. I just look turned off
1: that. I just turned off my Twitter notifications yesterday because of that OPH
0: uh oh thing no, I... that was all from TikTok. <laughs> that was all TikTok. <laughs> Um, did I miss anything? We went on the whole social media tangent. Where did, did I miss anything? I know, and I just nursing? turned it on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about?
0: We were talking about TikTok. Um, but did TikTok. I missed anything on nursing. Did I miss any issue that you're like, shit, people need to know this?
1: No, I I love that that was just a casual conversation about it. Cause on my podcast, I try and be like uber professional and not say too much. And tonight I probably had too much. I said too much both. <laughs> but no, I mean there's a lot of issues right now but I I feel the same way as you with the hopelessness stuff. Like I don't see the government changing bill 124. I don't see staffing issues getting that much better like and I know that sounds really sad and really negative but I I don't know. I'm not seeing a lot of a lot of hope right now and I never thought that I would leave the nursing profession. And I'm still not sure I'd leave it fully, but I've definitely, uh, you know, made some strides and looked into some stuff to, you know, potentially leave the hospital. And I really thought that I would like retire there. So it's just not something I think is a good fit for me for a lot longer, unless things change. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. So it's too bad, but you know, in unless. The public get involved and the public start writing to their MPs and MPPs and making a change and advocating for us. you know we've we've done the advocating and we're we're tired. We've just worked through two years of a pandemic, and then we're also advocating for our profession. We just we can't do it anymore.
0: Yeah, I think about my mom who spent how old am I thirty? So at least 25 years in the nursing profession, in different capacities, hospital, nursing homes. She did policy, Um, and she got let go right before the pandemic. And I just her stories, especially in like the retirement homes, about how much she got dicked around, and like oh, yeah. some of those those group homes, those for profit. Like I don't, you know, it rhymes with Schmavera. Um, yeah like just bad news bears and now she runs a daycare (laughs) like
1: yeah but is she happy
0: happier she's like like ptsd from the shit she went through with especially later in her career yeah as a director of care like
1: oh my god yeah no 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 that sounds like um a horrible job like that is that is a very 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 difficult job it's just no, you're you're running everything. You're in charge of everything, and there's just no way that you come out of that being being the good guy. And I don't think I could handle that. That's why I'm not sure I'd ever be a good manager because i I don't like when people don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, and that's like a big something I've really struggled with in the last couple of years and something I've really worked towards. Like I had um a therapy appointment last week and oh my at first i was like ah oh, she is she doesn't get it you know she's not a nurse she sounded elderly and you know ju- we just weren't vibing and then she said like you're you're taking everything at work too personal and you have to set your boundaries and they are your coworkers they are not your work family and they mm. use that term to make you feel guilty so that you do more and you, you prioritize them instead of your own family. And I was like, holy shit, my mind was blown. Cause I've used that term a million times. And I was like, you are right. Like we were talking about the struggle of balancing, you know, feeling guilty of calling into work when my kids are sick or when I'm sick and knowing that there's no one there to cover and how I hate that. And it's, it's hard to call in. You feel guilty. You're riddled with anxiety. Your palms are sweaty. And she was like, you, you would be replaced in a second. If you left, like they would post your job before your obituary. So you owe them nothing. Your family is you owe everything to, and you need to stop thinking of them as a family member. And they are your coworkers, your colleagues, your workplace, And I was like, yeah, that whole thing of like wanting to be liked and accepted. Like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like I am liked and I am, am accepted at home with my friends and my family. And that's where my priority always needs to be.
0: Yeah. Um, And that's why we're now in the phase of the great resignation. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden businesses and corporations are having trouble finding workers because everyone's like, nah, fuck this. Like, yeah, you need to pay me what I'm worth. Uh, no more of this bullshit uh, that you know and it's true I, I've used the term work family too and like I do genuinely care for some of my coworkers that I will yeah, right above of and course. beyond and of I course. will do a good job but you're right and your therapist is right the boundaries mm-hmm. are so important and it's so difficult because we still have managers who are still so adverse to you saying no we're putting a boundary mm-hmm. so we have a lot to work on as a culture but Like we're, we're moving at a rapid rate and if healthcare, if media, if government, all these places of employment, if they're not going to keep up, I mean, they're going to be out of business because no one's going to want to work for them. We're
1: out of here. And like nursing as well, like you're confined to that 12 hours and there are a million jobs where you can work from home and set your own hours. The flexibility situation that's happened in the last two years, that norm of, I mean, for example, me as a parent, I'd love to get my kids on the bus every day. You know, I, at seven in the morning, 645, actually, I drop two of my kids off at my neighbor's house. So I have to open their garage. They're all still in bed. I open their garage. I put my kids in there. I watch them take off their stuff. I give them a hug and kiss and I send them off into an empty house because they're not awake yet. Cause I have to go to work and I hate that. And, you know, I, my neighbors are like my family. I, I adore them. I love them. And I wouldn't trust anyone else with my kids other than like my parents and them. Um, but I still would really like to be able to bring them to school. I'd love for them to be able to sleep an extra hour, me, get them to school, you know, wave goodbye to them as they go on the bus. I love that. And it is so regimented that I must start at a certain time. And as far as the work that I have to do it's just not necessary. You know, I, I definitely could show up half an hour later and work half an hour later and still get the job done. And I think people our age are seeing that, Oh, well, you know, my friend who barely graduated high school is making just as much money and he's working from home every day and he has flex hours. So people want to do that and they're going to have to adapt. And it's going to be a huge culture shock to, you know, the, the upper level management, but it's that it's adapt or the great resignation (laughs) because people are just going to leave.
0: Well, especially nowadays, like 12 hour shifts, like easy. (laughs) What is it? Six to six, seven to seven, eight, like your whole day, like what? Like it is complete. I mean, I guess for staffing reasons, but like in life, whoever decided this, like Holy hell, like a 12 hour shift, whether it's healthcare or the factory, completely ludicrous and unnecessary.
1: There was, there was a time for it. And I think to arguably you'd find a lot of people who love it and on the exact other side of it, you'd find a lot of people who say, this is just not doable anymore. And the, the 12 hours. So the two days, two nights are, they're tough. It's a, a lot of hours to work. But the five days off is, is nice. I never found it quite enough recovery. I would have liked one extra day because that first day off, you're coming off of a night shift. So I would come home, you know, I'd have something to eat. I go to sleep, wake up at 12, be groggy till two, and then like either be up till two in the morning watching TV or go to bed because I'm exhausted. Either that first day, you're, you're not really that functionable for me. Um, but I found the 12 hours a lot easier when I was younger. As soon as I had kids, it's not what I wanted anymore. And some people that have kids say it works really well for them. And, and those people should be able to do that. But the people who don't want to work 12 hours should have the option of working eights or sixes or fours or weekend working only or whatever. They have to figure out something that allows flexibility. You have to make the job appealing. So people will stay, and right now you're not going to pay us more. So what are you going to do?
0: <laughs> yeah, it always. What was the thing before? It was always, um, well, if you don't like it, find another job. And now, sure, like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, fine, and then wait, whoa, 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 hold on, like, not so fast. <laughs> I uh, love
1: that the Great Resignation. You should call the podcast that
0: oh yeah. I mean that's that's <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the name that's, that's what the the media calls it anyway it's like it that's why oh really I haven't yeah. seen
1: it that's that's very witty I like it
0: it's yeah I mean it's more of an American thing than Canadian media but like the New York Times and and like they use because that's like what's happening people globally too. Yeah, yeah
1: it's it's interesting that it's globally
0: all the the shift care like the shift work the and like you said because you you're expected to show up, be at work, do all this. And then meanwhile, like I'm sitting at home. I mean, the job's done. I'm very busy, but like I'm working from the couch in my underwear at like mm-hmm. nine o'clock.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Go for a walk. And then I like, come <laughs> back uh, as opposed to like, you know, waking up. I haven't even woke up before 8.00 AM, you know, in forever. I, like, I don't even know.
1: Listen, if you ever want to come over here and take care of my kids, If you're ever feeling a need to get up before 8 a.m., you just let me know.
0: (laughs) Well, I feel very honored that you just said (laughs) you wouldn't trust anyone with your kids except your neighbors and your parents and now apparently me. So.
1: Oh, I've seen you've got a a, I've seen some pictures of you with kids. I agree.
0: Five. Five? I have five five siblings under like 13 and under.
1: Yeah, you can take care of my kids. That's fine.
0: And I have to babysit them sometimes.
1: Yeah. If you ever need them to have friends and also babysit my kids, please take them.
0: <laughs> I I kind of want to give up babysitting because there was a girl, a neighbor who I used to babysit when I was like 13 and she's engaged now. And I'm like, what the, like, what? Pardon me.
1: <laughs> I think I saw this. Did you do a story on it.
0: it yeah. Like, so I don't want to feel old anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't want to like Be like 40 and then seeing your kids being engaged and being like, and I'm me still being single, complaining about dating on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's my entertainment on my TikTok time block. That's hard to say.
0: Um, Listen, uh, I think you're the second longest podcast now. Um, Casey's the longest, so...
1: Oh, that, well, I'm honored. If I was going to be second place to anyone, it's definitely going to be Casey. You
0: know what? Down the road in 2022, uh, you and Casey are going to need to come on together.
1: Oh, yeah. I just
0: decided that.
1: Why You can join her when you interview the host on mine if you want.
0: Oh, my God. I should. Eh?
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: Yeah, just do a little like group fest, and I'll actually drink this time <laughs> instead of just drinking my water. Like I know I'm wine. really
1: disappointed. I mean, I told you why I had already had a glass of wine beforehand. I think it's warranted when you're dealing with a a poor little munchkin and Chio, and just making sure her mom is fed yeah. for the night. We broke out the wine. Yeah, definitely. I had do. to. Do.
0: <laughs> poor little thing. Um, beyond the bedpan. So seven episodes up now. It's everywhere you get podcasts, um, website, social. Your website, social
1: um at beyond the bedpan on instagram on twitter same thing and also on tiktok that one's not very uh active though and my other one is at more than a mom underscore same on everything
0: just got so many different profiles going love it social <laughs> media star
1: someone asked me why I did i didn't just make beyond the bedpan the more than the mom one and i was like no i want to keep parenting and nursing separate so
0: that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, this was fun. Thank you so this much. This was
1: so fun. Thanks for having me back.
0: No problem. I look forward to joining yours at, at some point. Um, Thanks. I can't wait. Comes down.
1: <laughs> Bye, Ryan. Thank you. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.